Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good time unit and welcome to Deconstructive Criticism. In this episode I interview Omar Makram, an Egyptian asylum seeker here in Sweden who has fought for asylum for three years. His reason for applying is that he is an outspoken atheist. But the Swedish migration agency didn't believe him and so he proved his point by burning the Quran, filmed it and posted it to YouTube. But before we do that I have some messages from my Swedish speaking audience. If you're an Anglophone you can ignore this. I finally released my latest comedy special, Chaser and Aken, on YouTube, so watch it, swish me, and spread it to all your friends. If you don't dare to do it publicly, just add it in a message and send it to your entire friend list. You can also support Deconstructive Critique, this podcast, on Patreon, and I would be very happy if you did. I've noticed a slight drop-off in your support, and I know that you need your money for alcohol and drugs during the summer, but I too need your money for alcohol and drugs this summer, so please help me in my ongoing battle against sobriety and support the constructive critique on Patreon. If you're an Anglophone, I want you to know that I'm working on subtitling my material on YouTube, and I hope to get it up within a week or two, but don't worry, I won't nag you for money. I Just relax and let the welfare state of my Swedish audience take care of that for you. And now, I'd like you to listen to Mr. Omar Makram. Enjoy. Hello there, sir. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you? You know... We look alike a little bit. Yes. What do you think? Well, people... Is it the nose, maybe? No, I think you might be racist. You think all people from the Middle East look the same. Or, <laughs> or Jews, maybe. Yes. Are, are you? Did you? Am I, am I racist? Uh, Jew. <laughs> no, no. I'm, um, I'm an ex-Muslim from a Sunni family. Yes, uh, you're uh, welcome, Omar Makram, to um, deconstructive criticism. I should start by saying thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Uh, and I would like to. My first question to you is, Omar Makram, are you named after the resistance hero or the cemetery? <laughs> well, both, because they are both named after the uh, that uh, supposed hero. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you. There's no relationship between us. No, it's it's <laughs> like being Lars Svensson in Sweden. 
probably. Is it? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I haven't been enough to Egypt. I've been to Egypt, but not enough. You have? When was that? Uh, a year ago, I was in Cairo and Alexandria. Oh, did you like it over there? Well, I, I'd say the, the, the ambiance in the air in Cairo uh, felt a bit subdued yeah. at the time. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'd say there was a sort of a stimmung of uh, paranoia in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, they thought my blonde Swedish friend, who is completely ethnically Swedish, was Mossad. So you can just imagine what <laughs> they thought about me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the conspiracy theories in, uh, in the Arab world are, are very, very strong, even uh, against me. Like, um, I'm, I'm often uh, told that I work from, for some uh, Zionist Jewish uh, conspiracy and that I'm being paid by the Jews. And, no, and now they will, uh, they will see this as proof. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the, like, I, I would be waiting for my checks from you. You have to like, uh, get me my money if I'm employed by the Jews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. I, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll contact the Zionist World Co Council and see what I can do. Yes, um, thank you very much. But um, so uh, you're uh, an Egyptian um, uh, f uh, here uh, seeking asylum here in Sweden, basically. Yes, yes, yes. I am. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, what's your story? How did you uh, end up seeking, becoming an asylum seeker? Well, it has to do basically with uh, my views on religion and having left Islam. Uh, I'm basically a critic of Islam and yeah, of religion in general, but Islam more specifically because of my because of my heritage and coming from a Sunni family. And uh, yeah, I ran into trouble in Egypt with some Islamists, and then consequently with the police because we have a blasphemy law in Egypt or contempt of religion law uh, that basically you cannot say anything that uh, that's deemed to be insulting to one of the Abrahamic religions but uh, more specifically when it comes to Islam. So what did you do to offend this uh, poor <laughs> oppressed majority of Islamists in Egypt? Uh, basically I, I was well I was in a cafe with a friend of mine and uh, basically I was just talking to my friend about my views what I think of Muhammad what, how this uh, whole idea of uh, the Abrahamic God does not make sense to me and this just sounds like a crazy sadistic tyrant and I went to the details about Muhammad and uh, him marry like him marrying uh, having sex with a nine-year-old and and all that Aisha and I was yes and I was overheard by uh, people basically who were sitting at the cafe who just then approached us and were quite angry. And they were saying that I, I should not be allowed saying these things and the authorities should do something about it. And if not, then they somebody else should. And, but yeah. you, you aren't allowed to say those things in Egypt, are you? It's a bit tricky. You Basically, if someone press charges uh, against you, you would be uh, basically arrested and could go to prison. Like uh, there, there is uh, one guy who was sentenced to prison just for putting his uh, religious status on Facebook, atheist. That that in itself could be deemed an, like um, insulting Islam or contempt of religion. Well, you are denying God if you're an atheist. Yes, yes, exactly. You're expressing some kind of like a dislike of religion. And this in itself could be like, uh, yeah, something that could get you into trouble. 
But uh, anyways, like at the time, uh, it was still not um, not that popular that uh, or not that that many people go to uh, the prison because of uh, their views on religion. Like blasphemy cases were not that much. When was this? Was this during Mubarak still or? No, this was after. This was in 2011. Yeah, this okay. was after Mubarak. Uh, so Mursi, so, yeah. basically. It was like during the time of the uh, the military. Uh, this okay, uh, transition, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. So, and you, I was under the naive impression maybe that um, since the the authorities in Egypt are known not to be fond of Islamists, so that I could seek protection from the police about this. And I was scared for my life because they they seemed like uh, yeah really intimidating people with like beards and and all. So I I was I panicked I went to the police and like I I was just I wanted to say that I like I'm being threatened but then they 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 had to ask me about the details why and so on and then when we approached the subject the police officer got like really angry and then said like well you deserve what's coming to you and uh, actually you'll be investigated for contempt of religion and and so on and yeah so. Uh, I just, uh, but they did not try to arrest me or anything. But um, yeah, I got scared basically, and I decided, okay, I have to leave. Yeah. So how did you uh, get out of Egypt then and uh, to Sweden? I got a Schengen visa basically. Uh, yeah, uh, that was valid just for one month, and took a flight and yeah, came to Europe. Welcome, uh, Sweden. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, but Sweden was not actually my first destination. Like, um, uh, I had a really good job in Egypt, and uh, I was uh, the operations manager for a like a big maritime shipping company. So I had like a lot of savings and investments and stuff. And uh, in the beginning, I was uh, like just afraid because the like this incident was so fresh. Um, so I basically stayed under the radar and was living on my own yeah, savings and, and so on. And then eventually I decided, okay, so I cannot go back there anyways, because I also have like a social media activity and, and so on. Um, so I came to Sweden and I applied for asylum. That was uh, in September 2014. Okay, and what happened then? Um, basically, I w when I came here, I had a, a very rosy image about uh, about Sweden that is like the bastion of human rights. I will just come in and uh, I will tell them everything about my case and why I'm on the run and so on, and uh, provide them with evidence. And yeah, they they will basically understand. Uh, because you were applying for asylum as a basically, it's a a, a per. A, a question of uh, freedom of conscience, right? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, uh, there are two kinds of asylum, basically. There is a refugee status and there is subsidiary protection. Subsidiary protection is given to people that are fleeing from uh, like war, for example. So Syrians, for example, they get subsidiary protection. Uh, refugee status is given to people that uh, who are fleeing because of whether political views, religious views, um, or uh, things to do with their sexual orientation. So individual cases, basically, which are much harder to prove because, yeah, uh, you cannot tell people that we don't believe there is uh, a war in Syria. But if if somebody else with an individual case, no matter what they say, the like uh, migration board can just say we still don't believe you. 
So it's kind of hard. So you went for sexual orientation yeah. uh, atheist? <laughs> no, the, I, I did not get the sexual orientation part. This, yeah, I'm unfortunately I'm as straight as they come. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, <Yeah>. congratulations, <laughs> women then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, and and then they denied you uh, asylum, basically. Yes, yes. Uh, they they just had like a, they they used very weird and conflicting excuses, like quite silly, like uh, uh, even like within the details of the decision, they were contradicting themselves at some point. Sometimes, some points they were saying, yeah, yeah, like you seem to be an atheist. At other points, no, you have not made it genuine that you're an atheist, and you have not given us proof that. Um, the Egyptians are aware of your views, like uh, the Egyptian authorities are aware of your views. Um, I remember even like when we had, uh, like an, I had an appeal at the migration court um, and I went for a court hearing and uh, a Swedish friend of mine came as a witness because he teaches at a school, which uh, I went to and talked about my views and why I had to escape Egypt and how like my views on, on Islam and so on. And he came as a witness. Uh, and I remember in the end, uh, in the closing, the, the lady from migration board was saying, ah, oh, but uh, how do we know? Maybe if we send him back to Egypt, he will hide or change his views. <laughs> yes. yeah, uh, was, yeah. And uh, my friend in the end was like, he, he almost refused to shake hands with her because, yeah, it was uh, very uh, insincere. And he said, they, they are evil. <laughs> I think uh, there might be some truth to that in that uh, stupid people sometimes do evil things. Uh, yeah. But uh, this led you okay. to do quite an extreme thing because I saw the video of you. Uh, well, let's yes. face it, you burned a Quran on tape. Yes, I, I, I desecrated in various ways. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but that that yes. actually, it hurt me a bit inside, I will tell you, because uh, I'm... Uh, I, I'm a big fan of freedom of speech, and I, th I think you shouldn't uh, destroy culture or burn books, because basically that's what Nazis and ISIS are doing. And it's sort of an attack on, your, on our collective con uh, consciousness or, or history or memory as a, a species. Uh, but, I, uh, but, but that is uh, how far you had to take it to prove that yes. you're an atheist. Yes, true. Uh, me, personally, I'm not... I'm not a fan of uh, burning books either, and um, this is not my style. And I would not say that I would object to somebody doing it because this in itself is is part of like freedom of expression. Uh, and I'm like I'm not burning all books or like all copies of the Quran in the world. But um, but this was done for a specific purpose, as you have seen in the in the video. Yes. Yeah. Uh, basically. I was being pushed to prove beyond doubt that I'm not Muslim. Uh, so like the evidence that I submitted to them before, whether by like the social media or um, just uh, telling them about my views and how I came to leave Islam and so on, this was not sufficient. So I had to do something uh, that would prove it to them. Um, because they said that if I was a, because they acknowledged that atheists in Egypt are are being persecuted, but they refuse to acknowledge that I am one. Yeah, yes, but it's yeah. very, it's very hard because I think, as you know, in in Western society, there is such a big colonial debt that uh, seeing a person burn the Quran, it sort of uh, even for me as a Jew, I think, not as a Jew, just as a person 
uh, it brings uh, not memories because I wasn't alive, but it brings uh, memories of things you've read from history of forced conversions, both uh, you know from Islam and to Islam and to Christianity and from Christianity or Judaism back and forth. You know, it, there's there's a history of forced conversions, right? So. Yeah. Uh, so you start remembering that, and also, how do you prove you're an atheist? Do you swear allegiance? What's our what's what's the atheist prayer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's the basic? Uh, well, it's um, I think it's um, it's it has to do more with like being a vocal atheist, you know, like uh, being vocal about your views. Uh, that would put like. If you are just like an atheist and don't talk about it in Egypt, then maybe uh, nothing would happen to you. But if you are vocal about your views, then this is uh, where trouble comes. And I think, well, you, you can't, you would be persecuted if you converted to Christianity as well, uh, like from Islam to Christianity. But um, but isn't rationality somehow worse? Because it's not even really a religion. To be be a rational person. Yes. <laughs> Well, I, not not for me. Uh, yeah. What else do we have if that's the case? No, but I mean, because there are uh, tenets in Islam that says that, you know, other people of the book can live uh, uh, within uh, Muslim-majority societies, right? Uh, but an atheist is basically denying God. So that's, I mean, if, you're, if you believe in Jesus, at least you believe in Jesus Christ, which Islam recognizes as a prophet, at least, if not yeah. the son of God. Uh, so yeah. an atheist should be theologically worse somehow. Definitely, definitely. People of the book, uh, as they are called in Islam, uh, like Jews and Christians, have a better status than than others or like uh, than atheists. But there's also a difference. Um, there's a difference between apostates and atheists in Islam. So an apostate, uh, someone who was a Muslim and left the religion. Is different from someone who has never been a Muslim before. Uh, the punishment for the first is death for apostasy in Islam. You cannot leave the religion. Uh, but for atheism, if you haven't been an, uh, a Muslim before that, then, then the punishment is not death in Islam. No, because then you're a potential customer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dissatisfied but, customers you want to get rid of as soon as possible. It might spread to other customers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Especially if you are vocal. There was a, actually like um, an interview with the, uh, like the head of Al-Azhar University in, uh, in Egypt. And he openly said, yeah, that uh, apostates who are vocal about their views should be killed. And that's the, one of the biggest Sunni institutions in the, in the whole world. Yeah, so that's an uh, an acknowledged penalty for apostasy in Islam. Uh, so yeah, uh, going back to the video, um, I was after actually I made that video. So maybe to talk about the video a little bit, like I just talked about my views and um, my views on on Islam, and decided to the only thing to uh, to prove that I am no longer a Muslim is to desecrate a copy of the Quran. Uh, and also doing that, I I said that I will be sending this to the Egyptian authorities because. Migration board was using this as an excuse like you you have not been able to provide us with a document like an official document to to prove that they know about you yes which is impossible to get <laughs> so um, I made that video and then I showed it to my uh, lawyer at the time and some of my friends who uh, here in Sweden who uh, knew about my case basically everyone freaked out they said okay um, 
yeah, that's pretty heavy. And perhaps it, uh, yeah, probably it will uh, lead to you getting asylum. But do you really want to do it? Because maybe you will get asylum, but you will not live long to enjoy it. That was my fear when I saw it as well. I was like, this is basically suicide by fatwa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for, for me, I just, I did not care as much about that. I Because, like, uh, I was um, supposed to be deported and... I could not go back there. So for me, like anything that increased my chances to stay here, I would do it because, um, uh, and especially I was like really, it dropped me off the wrong way that they refused to acknowledge that I have left Islam. So yeah, uh, so they, they suggested that I first send it to migration board privately and to, to like um, basically expose to them the the, um, how serious my views are and, and so on. Uh, so I actually did that. I sent it in an email to migration board and uh, while copying the uh, Egyptian foreign ministry, the Egyptian uh, interior ministry and the Egyptian embassy in Stockholm in the same email. Yeah. Why would they freak out about that? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and first actually, um, Migration, uh, the migration board said that they could not open the link for some reason because probably they don't have a cloud sharing program possibility at, uh, yeah, at work. And then um, they asked me to uh, like send it in a different way. So I uploaded it on YouTube, but as unlisted first. So and I sent them the link. Then they first rejected it and said uh, it had too few views. Okay. Yeah. And that uh, since they could not open the link in the first email, so the Egyptians could not see it either. I was like, what the fuck? Like, uh, you couldn't, yeah. So I I decided, okay, well, you're really forcing my hand. So I, I just posted it on, online and John posted, like, pushed it on social media. Yeah, and it uh, caught fire. No shit. Um, yeah. And uh, by now, one can say that... Uh, they have no grounds to reject you. One could think so. Uh, I actually, the, based on that video and um, on a, an additional video that I made after that, which has got even more views, where I talked about uh, like the, in detail why I left Islam and so on. Um, based on these two videos, uh, my case with my a new asylum case has been opened for me with migration board, and I had uh, my my hearing in February um, to like yeah to, for them to evaluate my case. And um, my lawyer, I had a new lawyer then, and my lawyer like after we had the hearing, and he heard how I was talking about religion and how I left and so on. He said it's very strange that they did not. Uh, they did not believe you the first time and that they thought your views are not genuine because when the when the interviewer from migration board asked me about why I left Islam uh, and why I'm an uh, an atheist now I went on a rant for like an hour I oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it so, it sounded too rehearsed maybe not really uh, it's just like um, I I was talking like uh, about my train of thought, and uh, she, I, I even told her that I'm not. Like, I would describe myself more as an anti-theist, uh, not an atheist. And she got confused about what that means, and I had to spell it for them. And like, yeah. So, what do you uh, mean by the difference between atheist and anti-theist? Uh, for me, I 
atheist uh, just a person who does not believe in the existence of God or any deity, uh, but an anti-theist who is someone who uh, believes religion is harmful. Uh, and uh, so this is this is more my stance, and this is why I. I speak uh, against religion, I criticize it, and I speak against Islam uh, because of that. So I'm not like really neutral about it. More accurate to say that I'm an anti-theist, in my opinion. Yes, I um, I understand. I'm an anti-theist also, but it's a matter of principle for me. Uh, the existence of God uh, or not is uh, irrelevant. I don't take orders from anyone else but me. Yeah, yes. that's good. Good for you. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, so based on that, I'm like uh, my new case is being uh, evaluated currently, and I'm expecting my the decision on my case very soon. I hope. But I think we should we should talk a bit more about this Quran burning thing because we can't have people proving to be atheists by constantly burning Qurans. So we have uh, to find a, a way to desecrate them. I mean, I, I thought the spitting was. Nice. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Nice. And then I thought urinating might be a bit much. And also, it destroys. It, crossed, it did cross my mind. <laughs> yeah. But it also destroys the text. So you want to. Uh, because uh, I remember one of the things that. I was uh, pro the first US war in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. But I was pro that war before 9 11. Because the okay. Taliban destroyed the, those two big Buddha statues, remember? Yeah. It was in yeah. the papers. They destroyed them. They were like 3,000 or 5,000 years old. And they yeah. destroyed the modern museum of Kabul. And for me, that's such an attack on a collective memory or a piece of culture. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's their method. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. It's, it's like that's what the opposition is doing. So that's what we're not. So we have to find... You have to come up with a good way to desecrate the Quran without actually destroying it, you know, out of uh, principle, sort of, I think. Yeah, well, well, I do understand what you're saying. And uh, like I said, it's not, it's not my style and, and to do that. And I did just specifically for, for, to prove a point. Um, but, but I think... But that's what I'm saying. If a lot of people have to prove that point in the near future, yeah, we, need, yeah. we, we need another way to prove that point. I think... Two things should be sufficient. First, that you are you demonstrate that you are open with your views, and uh, it's I think it's uh, for me at least, and I think for many people it's easy to to uh, spot uh, a person who whose views are genuine or not. It's very difficult to like see my social media activity and 
like um, like my videos and the articles I write and so on and still think that I am Muslim. That would be like too strange. Like, uh, uh, yeah. So this should be sufficient in my opinion. Plus, they really drill you in the uh, in the um, in the hearings with migration board. They drill you about specifics of your views and like uh, why exactly and what's this point and like um, which part of the Quran you did not like, which part of the history of Islam and. You have to really talk about it in in much detail. This is why I uh, told you, like the lawyer was like quite surprised that they did not think my views are genuine before. And the previous lawyer actually saw, uh, thought the same thing. He told me like there's like eighty percent that if you go in front of the like uh, the court and talk to them about your views, like it's very very difficult for them to still think that your views are not genuine. Uh, yes, uh, and I read uh, the three articles at least that was translated into Swedish because you sent them to me and I also read your blog before uh, yeah. and that is in English and there will be links to this episode so people can uh, find out for themselves what your views are. But in short, uh, those three articles that has been translated into Swedish, how would you summarize your views on Islam? My views on Islam, uh, why, why I left Islam uh, was... Because you know this, there is a quote by someone that I cannot remember. Uh, the best cure for religion is studying the scripture, and this exactly what happened in my case. Uh, at some point, I just like studied the Quran and the Hadith and the early history of Islam, and I there's just um, so much there that goes uh, in contrast opposition to the the values that I hold, the values of equality or being. Um, pro-gay rights or, or um, women rights and, and so on. Um, Islam is simply not compatible with the values of human rights and equality. Uh, so this is my objections about Islam. Uh, in addition to my objections about the existence of the Abrahamic God um, in general and the idea of a God that is uh, uh, creating people uh, weak in order to sin, and he gets mad because of the way he created them and the sins that he has foreseen because he's omniscient. And because of that, he sends them to burn in hell for eternity. This does not make any sense whatsoever to me. Um, so, and other things that um, about Islam, if you, if you really go into the early history of Islam, you would see that um, jihadism and the ideology of conquest it's very it's very much entrenched in islam and its early history and this is also something that's really yeah i've been raised to romanticize muhammad as the the uh, the best model for uh, for a human being but uh, after like really going into detail about his life and what he's done he's he was merely a warlord basically well i think that's quite unfair he was a very good warlord <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he he was i mean if you, if yeah. if you have three sons as a mother and you raise them to be warlords and muhammad is one of them you he'd definitely be your favorite son yeah, yeah. he's he was good at it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he knew how to hook people into this uh, whole gang thing um so because of that i just uh, I, I this was a gradual phase of course I, I went through like several of them one of them to is leaving Sunni Islam and become a Quranist uh, relying only on the Quran because there's so much shit in the hadith and it's 
much more explicitly violent uh, than many of the verses in the Quran. And the hadith are the, the actions of Muhammad, the, the sayings and actions. The sayings and actions of Muhammad, yes, exactly. Uh, so at some point I, I dropped the hadith and just relied on the Quran. But then I found the same thing. And, um, and if you would see uh, the chronological order of the verses in the Quran, you would see how the progression into a more violent rhetoric um, in the verses. Because there, is, there was the Mecca phase, there was the Medina phase, after uh, Muhammad and his companions like uh, went from Mecca, like migrated from Mecca to Medina. Um, in the Mecca phase, they were still like kind of weak. So uh, you would find most of the peaceful verses are in the Mecca period. Um, and after that, in the Medina, when they started to like form this uh, gang, basically, in order to raid caravans and so on, uh, the verses of the Quran took a much more militaristic um, style to reflect the yeah how Islam became at the point. So you think uh, that the more they had the option of using force to get what they wanted, the more they actually used force. And in that development, they had to justify that as well, which became part of yes. the religion. And, exactly. And because the religion really only started to become really successful when it started using violence. Exactly, yes. Uh, that, that was the case. And if you would look at uh, the, the last detailed uh, surah or chapter in the Quran, uh, it's called the Tawbah. It's one of the most violent uh, surahs in the Quran that has most the, the most violent verses, which says that, um, yeah, that, uh, that you should... Uh, like basically conquer uh, even like uh, people of the book until they give the jizya, which is this uh, like uh, extortion money that uh, they give uh, Muslims for. Yeah, but basically that you have that Muslims have to rule, and that is even by the consensus of most scholars that that uh, should be uh, what the verses are calling for. Because you don't think uh, in your articles. At least, you you don't really believe in a reformation of Islam because Judaism solved the problem that you uh, you're describing now. How you left the Hadith and became more and more fundamentalistic, basically uh, yeah. going to a, a, a more extreme version of the source. Judaism has, in essence, moved in the other direction, where they said, "Well, the source is not the word of God. We'll will will interpret the source and then we'll interpret the interpretation of that source and then we'll interpret the interpretation of the interpretation yeah. of the interpretation. And then you just lock all these crazy people in a room and they get to interpret for all of inter eternity. <laughs> it, they will still cause trouble, but they will be 50 years behind the time because they have to hash it out first. So, yeah. uh, but you, th you don't think Islam can go the, in the same direction where you just... I think that's very difficult for various reasons. One of them is um, that the Quran is, is not considered like some kind of divine inspiration or just, just merely the word of God. It's the literal speech of God, word for word. Like no human being, like this is what's believed in Islam, no human being intervened at all. In the in the in the words themselves, because Muhammad was illiterate, right? He couldn't read and write. This is uh, this is what Muslims believe as well. It's there's actually not no no consensus on that. Like uh, uh, when it comes to like historicity, because 
Yeah, maybe he wasn't, maybe he was, but this is what Muslims believe. Um, so yeah, the, the, the revelation, like Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel coming with the literal speech of God to Muhammad, it's very, very strong in Islam. This is, I don't see how this, this can be broken, uh, or like, uh, changed. So it's believed to be the literal speech of an omniscient God, uh, who sent this as the final perfect message to humanity. So it's, there's very little room for maneuver here. Uh, this is one thing. And uh, another thing is that um, there is only, like, there are some people who say that there's million ways to interpret the text and so on. This is not really the case. I mean, that there is, like, uh, the text is malleable, like, uh, flexible only to some extent. Uh, like, you cannot say that um, a verse that's saying, uh, kill the infidels means give the infidels flowers or... Uh, a verse that says beat your wife means uh, kiss your wife there's just uh, yeah there's just some limits uh, to how things can be reinterpreted and there have been attempts at trying to reform before and they have all failed this is not something new and I think sometimes when um, like when non-Muslims or people who are not familiar really with, with what religion means to religious people um, they see Someone who's like a liberal, liberal Muslim, for example, who's like drinking or who has like non-marital sex or whatever. And then they say, ah, see, um, that means that they believe Islam is okay with it. And that's far from the case. The majority of liberal Muslims uh, have a lifestyle that is in contrast with Islam, not because they think Islam is okay with it, just because they want to live their life. So they ignore Islam. They ignore the scripture. Like I know my sister, for my uh, my younger sister, for example, she, she drinks or she has like relations outside of marriage and so on. But th that's not because she's saying, like if you would ask her, she would say, yeah, it's probably a sin in Islam, but she just doesn't care that much. Uh, and this is the case for the majority of liberal Muslims. Uh, and the... And during the so-called liberal periods in uh, in Islamic history, that was also the case. The, the I mean, closer you, yeah, yeah, the closer you get to Islam or the to try to go by Islam and uh, as the the way to govern your your country, the shittier things become. And the the more you move away from it or ignore it, the better the society becomes. It has been the case throughout history. Yes, well, goes for most most religious theocracies. I can't actually yeah. think of one that can be held up as a shining example of uh, perfect governance. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, so, but, uh, uh, so now you live here. In, I mean, because um, I, uh, I read Sam Harris when I was like 25 and I was like, yay, militant atheism. Because uh, <laughs> I grew up conservatively Jewish, which means my parents didn't really actually believe in God as much as they believed maybe in tradition. Yeah. Uh, so I had mm. to spend my Saturdays in, in temple, you know, reading the Old Testament. And some parts are exciting because, you know, there's magic and dragons and demons and yeah. stuff. And, uh, and then some things are just, uh, you notice that this can't be entirely correct. Like, say, for instance, in the Old Testament, if you get uh, dirt on your clothes, uh, then uh, the, the tip from the Old Testament is uh, that you shouldn't wash your clothes. You should go to a rabbi who then determines that you should live naked outside the city walls for seven days. And then he'll come by after seven days with uh, some sort of bird, which he'll uh, kill and then spray the blood on you, and then you're clean. Which doesn't really sound like the best washing advi advice if you get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does not. But 
then again, we would get a lot of public nudity around, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but so, uh, but but living in Sweden, I mean, this is the most secular country in the world. It's probably one of the most atheist, instinctively atheist countries in the world. Uh, you haven't really had to be a militant atheist in any way, shape, or form, but you come from a part of the world where it, world where it's really a matter of life and death. So it's. Uh, your perspective must be quite different on religion. I mean, how oh, yeah. forcefully yeah. it must affect your life. Uh, you mean like my life here in Sweden? Well, uh, what do you think about Sweden? Because here you yeah. see a society where we have removed religion. We have uh, people still believe in ghosts and social democracy but uh, <laughs> and, and astrology. But in general, uh, religion doesn't seem to take up much space, does it? No, and uh, this can be actually uh, a double-edged sword, maybe. Um, because in one way it's good, but, you know, people have been cut off from uh, religion here so for so long that they have totally lost understanding of what religion means to religious people. Like, I have a lot of conversations because, well, my views are not, are not uh, exactly politically correct, and uh, I have... Um, a lot of conversations with uh, people here in Sweden and like this is more like um, obvious maybe on the left um, and among like anti-racists and so on but this like post-modernist uh, thought is like so strong that uh, yeah they, 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 they say that our oh, religion can mean anything text can mean anything and they, they almost sometimes don't see connection between religious extremism and religion. Like uh, they say, like this is totally politics. Like religion has nothing to do with it, and and they it's socioeconomic what, in their view most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they, when I talk about Islam, they even though they don't know much about it, but I have some people who try to basically attack my views or like defend Islam on behalf of the oppressed people or like uh, the Muslims just because they are brown probably or whatever but uh, they just uh, many people here view things only in terms of oppressor and oppressed yes uh, so when I talk about Islam negatively what they see is that me attacking like Muslims so they rush they have this knee-jerk reaction of rushing into the defense of Islam so they went from um, trying to like let's say um, um, trying to stamp out Islamophobia even though this is a term that I really object to because it conflates Islam and Muslims as uh, the same thing but they went to some sort of weird Islamophilia uh, try to like praise Islam or uh, say how good it is I, I even have like have had people like uh, throw at me some fake hadith and uh, and so on saying like ah oh, see how good it is and i'm like saying actually the hadith does not say that <laughs> um yeah uh, which so, hadith is it that they refer to is it the one with the jew killing or is it the one <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the last hour will not come before the muslims kill the jews uh no they, uh, yeah i don't know they listen uh, uh, i mean it would, if Muslims had existed when the New Testament was around, it would probably be a w verse in there about killing you guys. Fortunately uh, for us Jews, the only verses about killing people are about people who are long since killed. So, oh, so, so you're, you're good. Huh? I, I'm scot free. <laughs> I don't have to kill anyone as far as I know. <laughs> That's good. Good for you. Uh, but yeah, you have a, I think, um, 
a problem with obsession with political correctness here in Sweden. Uh, and maybe if, I don't know about censorship, but there is a lot of self-censorship. People are afraid to speak. Many people are afraid to speak because of how they would be judged by others. Um, well, if all words are inter uh, can be interpreted any way you want, depending on context and victimhood, then uh, you should be careful with what, what words you use, because they can always be construed to mean something else than you meant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've actually had, um, I remember a funny conversation I had with a Swedish person at a party uh, when I was talking about my views on Islam. She got like really upset and uh, she was like telling me, why are you attacking Muslims? And I was like, actually, I'm not attacking Muslims. I'm just talking about Islam. Uh, she could not see the difference. And uh, yeah, but well, you should not kick down and um, those people are oppressed. And I was like, yeah, but I'm just talking about my views and why I had to escape from my country. And like, the the like ex-Muslims in most majority countries are persecuted and and so on. She was saying no, but you have to speak about all religions then at the same time. So I told her I have to speak about all, like criticize all religions equally. She said, yeah, you have to be fair. I was like, okay, no, I, I will not do. Nobody has the time or knowledge to to speak about everything. You can talk about Christianity all you want, but uh, and uh, also it probably it. wouldn't be fair because different religions have different outcomes in you know in application. So yeah, you can't yeah. judge them equally um, just for being religions. Yeah, they have yeah, different I, effects. I, I agree. I agree. Yes. Um, and she was like, uh, and I was talking to her about apostates being killed in most of the majority countries, and she was saying, "But what about Mozambique?" And I was like, "What? What? What about Mozambique?" She's saying, "Why are you not talking about Mozambique?" And I was like, "Why would I talk about Mozambique?" She said, "Yeah, but uh, people who leave Christianity there are killed. Uh, like me, an ex-Muslim would have to talk about why people who leave Christianity are killed." And actually. This is like fake news or alternative facts. I checked it later. There is no such thing. I don't know it's, how she came up with it. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever heard of it, about it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I've heard uh, people being killed for leaving Christianity or defaming Christianity, but it was a few hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah so, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> She's still stuck there, I think. The Galileo but, guy uh, st uh, stands out in my memory. I, I, I think he was at least threatened <laughs> with the death or imprisonment if he didn't yeah. uh, take back his statement, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, we I get a lot of, like, uh, people who criticize Islam get a lot of uh, what about tree, you know? Yes. What about Christianity? What yeah. about the Crusades? What about this? Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll tell you, I think that might actually be a unique leftist thing, because if you start accusing leftists, at least this is my experience in Sweden or Europe, they immediately will blame someone else for something similar. And yeah. it might be true, there might be someone else who did something similar, but it doesn't really excuse what they are doing, which is w what I'm trying to explain all the time. So, yes. uh, do you see now what happens when you remove uh, Islam or monotheism? I instead, you get postmodernism as a new yes. religion. How do you yes. like that oh. religion? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. They, they are, it's destroying uh, it's an attack on reason on science on on uh, on like rational thinking on uh, basic on, biology yeah yeah that's it <laughs> on the meaning of words and languages uh, yes it's, yeah it's so destructive 
I know, but they believe that language constructs the world and not that we use words to describe the world, which is uh, two different ways of looking at language. Makes yes, it uh, quite difficult to communicate sometimes. True, true. And I think also because they view the world, or many of them at least, strictly in terms of oppressed and oppressor. Yes. Uh, so you just like, if someone is like a white male, for example, just by by that being a white male, he's already belonging to a privileged uh, group of oppressors, and they he like they they sh he should be get less um, how to say whether room to speak, less advantage or whatever, even individually yes. as someone from a, who was perceived as belonging to an oppressed group. It's the only reason so I'm listening to you now is because you're a brown refugee. Uh, yeah, brown. <laughs> so I have I have to listen to you. If if you uh, had exactly. been a woman and a lesbian as well, then I would have to obey you in everything you said. You're yeah, that <laughs> the ultimate would have been like a, a black lesbian Muslim woman in a hijab. That would have been the ultimate. Like, there has <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to throw in Inuit, transsexual, and some really obscure religion sure. as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, uh, yes, I want to thank you for talking to me, Omar, and uh, because these were the questions I had to start with. And I was wondering if you'd like to come on again, because this is quite interesting, and I want to know how your application goes for your asylum process. It was a pleasure, and it would be a pleasure to, uh, to come on again. Uh, thank you very much for having me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to watch Kejsaren i Naken on YouTube and support Dekonstruktiv Kritik on Patreon. Until next time... Have a good time unit. Den här podden är skriven och inspelad av mig, Aron Flam och klippt och mixad av Toste Severin. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.